everybody, welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am the board game guru and game master extraordinaire, Jahananan. I am the co-host, one of the two co-hosts, I guess, of Fresh Out the Podcast. I'm used to being the only one during the week. Uh, I'm Casualty CDG, but you can call me Gary. I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And I am the third in this trio of, of co-hosts, and I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And thank you all for listening to Fresh Out the Podcast. This will be our fifth episode, uh, which is kind of kind of cool. Five. Yeah, they're coming Five. along nicely. So I'm. Um, I would think you know what everybody's asking. What we're what we're getting here is everybody wants to know about our personal lives. So what what were each of you doing directly before we started recording this podcast today? What were you doing? Were you eating dinner? Or you, you know? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know people want to know about our personal lives. That's exciting. Uh, they they don't. I just thought you know. <laughs> So I've got a, I've got a good one. Yeah. I went over to H Mart, which is a, a Korean grocery here in, in the west side of Houston. And I saw that they had Chinese hot dogs filled with cheese. And they were, it said, artificially dyed really large on the front. And they're very, very red. So I bought some very red cheese stuffed Chinese hot dogs today. And I can't wait to try them. That sounds incredible. <laughs> no, I, I buy food from there all the time. And they have uh, fish hot dogs. They're pretty good. They do fish, like, hot dog corn dogs. They have cheese in them. Uh, and that's exciting. It really scratches that fatty itch I have because I'm a fatty. Mm, uh, I have fatty itch in between my thighs. Is that normal? Yeah, that is normal. Yeah, you should get some uh, Jergens. Are we brought to you by Jergens? This is why I have to be careful when I spark these conversations <laughs> on y'all because you just never know what direction this is going to go. You started it, Drew. Drew, you started it. Well, actually, speaking of fact, I, I uh, this is like a parenting achievement. This is probably really telling because some people might have issue with this, but I have a, a toddler and this evening she had her first ever Happy Meal. And for whatever reason, oh, that shit. made me sentimental as a parent of like, you know, all the happy meals you have as a kid. Like, oh, my daughter had her first happy meal. That was exciting for me. That's, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, it's did bad. She, did she like it? She did. Oh, yeah, she did. She got a Scooby-Doo toy and uh, and actually something that ties into a past episode. But her the milk that came with her meal was Space Jam themed. It had Space Jam marketing on oh, it. Man. So did you throw it in the trash? Did not. Did not. I bet the milk was better than the movie. <laughs> Probably so. Oh man, Lola Bunny was on the on the milk cartridge, and she had more to do being on the milk than she did in the movie itself. Well, yeah, that's because she was missing from the movie. It makes sense; she's on the milk cartridge. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so uh, McDonald's might be bad for the heart, but it's good for the soul. So you know, ba da ba ba ba, it's killing you, right? No, all right. If we could be sponsored by a fast food, McDonald's would be on my short list. Hey, they were brought to you by BTS. I went and got me a BTS meal. You bet your ass. That's a weird sentence I never thought I'd hear you say. <laughs> Smooth like butter in a criminal undercut. Yep. Um, as as far as our, our news, <laughs> sorry to cut you off on that beautiful melody, um, <laughs> but as far as our news to cover, uh, one of the things we were talking about was the the steam deck news and i knew that y'all were kind of passionate about about bringing that up or ha having you know spilling some thoughts on it and uh 
at here with the Steam Deck. I, I personally haven't read into it all that much. I mean, I saw the headline. I know what it is in general. I haven't looked at all the, the specifics on it, but what made you uh, want to talk about it today? I um, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, I was going to say, you go ahead. So it's... Um, people have been asking... I think I've been hearing about things like this for a long time. Why isn't there a PC handheld? And uh, the Steam Deck is is pretty much the closest you're going to get to a PC handheld, right? It's most people who are playing on a PC are playing through Steam. So as far as a console version of a PC goes, I think this is this is it, right? We've we've never been so close, and it's handheld, so that's great. Um, initially, I was looking at side by side stats for the two. And people were arguing over which one they thought was the better value between the Steam Deck and the new uh, Switch Lite LED blah, oh, blah, the blah. OLED, OLED Switch. There you yeah. go. We had talked about that a few weeks back. Um, and so now kind of these two are coming out at the same time. And so why, why not compare them? They're going to be coming out of your budget at the same time if you're buying it for a kid or a nephew or for yourself. Uh, so why not compare the two, I thought. You'll yeah, well, and then Nintendo has always dominated the handheld market. So, you know, Sony tried to break in with the, the PSP and the Vita. The Vita kind of died a slow death. You know, the Switch is such a great selling console and people love to use it in handheld mode. So I, it makes perfect sense to compare the Steam Deck to the Switch, I think. But, you know, the Switch is just so marketed to Nintendo fans or people that are in that that the Nintendo library is so popular in itself that the switch can be sold based on that alone. And mm -hmm. now with the steam deck, you're getting pretty much anything that you want. That's on PC that you can play in your hands. I mean, that's so appealing. Does the steam deck have like a, a dock, like the switch does where you can like slap it down it and okay. It does See, dock two screens. Uh, it will be dockable. Uh, it'll have access to supposedly the entirety of the Steam library, which gives it a content library that dwarfs all others. Um, well, uh, qu quality could be an issue there, but they have most games. They have big name games that you can get on Steam also. So it's going to be using uh, Steam OS, which is Steam's um, Linux based operating system. And. It's going to, so it's pretty much just going to be Steam, but supposedly you can get rid of it, install Windows if you want. Uh, supposedly you will be able to use other gaming services like the Epic Game Store, uh, other game stores like that. I'm not sure how that'll work. But, uh, yeah, the whole thing with the Switch, you kind of brought it up, Drew, is that, you know, if you're trying to compete with the Switch, will you have Nintendo games? No, you won't. So you're not competing with the Switch. You know what I mean? It's you get it for uh, one second. Sorry. I th I think it might be a way to really make PC games more accessible to people who don't want to buy a desktop computer. That's me. I that's I'm directly in the market there. I, you know, I have my computer that I use for work or that I use just for personal googling oh excuse me personal um use of Bing, binging <laughs> and also writing right like if you have a computer for writing it's not the yeah. same as having a computer for gaming right and and i'm a console gamer i have an xbox series x i have a ps5 you know that's mm -hmm. where i'm doing my gaming i'm not i'm not doing it on my my pc and i i don't want to have to keep upgrading my pc you know whatever um but if this is 
the Steam library that I can just easily dock to my TV and use with the controller and, and have access to all those games that, that are not on Series X or PS5. I mean, that there's there's an appeal there, depending on how expensive or, or how how expensive it is, how well it works, whatever it may be. So, Jahan, you seem to know a little bit about it. So if you can get the Epic Store, um, are there other apps and things you're going to be able to have access to on there? Is, is it like a there, little PC? They're claiming that you'll be able to have uh, all kinds of streaming services, like potentially Netflix, uh, Hulu. You'll be able to watch stuff on it. It should have borderline full computer functionality. What do you think about the possibility of game pass ultimate being on the steam deck <laughs> that is i mean it could be possible since you can play game pass ultimate on pc you can also do the same with the playstation you can play playstation on a pc as well so it could be an all-in-one console uh how good it's going to be and how much it costs is kind of where it gets a little wonky because and so that's where we are now right is the cost because initially at a first glance over i'm looking at the two systems and i'm looking that uh the, the switch is a little bit cheaper it's definitely a trusted name and a trusted product right having one in your house you know that it's going to work uh when you start to download a bunch of different crap onto a pc a bunch of different games when you start deleting stuff it's going to fragment over time and your steam deck is going to start running like shit <laughs> Mark my words, it's going to start running like shit. Eventually, they I think they will. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's probably not going to happen with the Switch. It's a good long-term investment. You have the entire Nintendo category, or, or the entire Nintendo library, rather. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that would be the better investment. I find it hard to think that, that you know Game Pass and things like that would be on it just because Microsoft right now is really trying to push their cloud gaming service where you can just download the Game Pass, you know, whatever the app is on your phone and stream games to your phone through Game Pass. Yeah, you can't spend a lot I of money have done that. Uh, the way it works, I think they have to be on the same Wi Fi and then you can use a controller to play your games through your Xbox on your phone in any room. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool. You have to be on the same Wi-Fi. You can't just be on any Wi-Fi. I think so. And also, it turns on your Xbox. So, like, you are actually playing. You're really just casting to your phone. Uh, okay. But the cost... I... Yeah, so the cost of the Stream Deck is $400 for the cheapest model. Uh, that's what they're saying right now. It only has 64 gigabytes. Uh, and that kind of sucks. That's not much. Yeah, that's... Uh, for reference, Call of Duty Warzone is like a hundred and fucking twenty or a hundred and thirty gigs at this point. Yes, yeah, so I have Cold War on my PS5, and it's it's definitely upward uh, above a hundred gigs for sure. Yeah, so I feel like it's kind of disingenuous for them to do. They are throwing this so they they ha they have this model at four hundred dollars so that they can tote. Hey, this only costs four hundred dollars. They can put that on everything. They put it in your face. Costs four hundred dollars. Starting at 400 <laughs> Yeah, but the next step up costs $529, uh, and that's for a 256 gigabyte. So a significant increase, but damn, $526 yeah, for a handheld console. That's a significant increase, and what's what are the other perks besides uh, more memory? Because that, that much memory doesn't cost that much uh, fucking money. So, actually, funny you say that it... The difference between the 64 and the five, uh, the 256, uh, has some of it has to do with the way in which the memory is. Like one of them's like solid state, the other one is uh, different. I, I'm not a big technical guy, but it should actually 
perform better uh, in theory. So not only are you getting more memory, you're actually getting a different, better system. Yeah. Is, is the storage space upgradable? Can you can so you add they do have micro SD or micro SD? Yes. Okay. So you can yeah. put micro SD. That okay. gives it points for sure. Uh, but and, and I'm sure Steam has such a loyal yes. fan base as it is. You know they're doing all their all their stuff, and uh, I think that. They they probably know their audience in the sense that there's going to be your PC gamers that they're they're probably not going to be playing you know Call of Duty Cold War or Cold War or whatever other major release you know necessarily on the Steam Deck they might it might be those smaller games you know older games or whatever you want to play more <laughs> on the go yeah maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm wrong no so you have a point so one of the things I love about the Switch one of the smartest things I think that Nintendo did was they just threw indie games in your face. They just pushed, they are like, indie game, indie game, indie game. They have their indie world uh, streams every once in a while where they share different indie games, and they really highlight them, and they push indie games. I think that was great for the, just the, the volume of games you can play on the Switch. It was a good idea. The Steam has so many indie games, uh, and I think on a 64 gigabyte, uh, handheld, you'll be able to play most of those smaller games, and if that's what you're into, uh, then yeah, it's actually a pretty good deal. Just know for me personally, with the Switch, for example, if I'm playing, like right now, you know, I've talked about it in past episodes, I'm playing uh, Skyward Sword HD, again, the newest uh, Zelda re-release, but even when back when I was playing Breath of the Wild, you know, that's a game that when I would try to play handheld, it's such a big game, there's so much to do, that I felt, I would feel overwhelmed playing it on such a small screen. That's one that I like to have it docked on my TV and let me, you know, get get invested in it, you know, really, really um, play yeah. it that way. And whereas Animal Crossing is something that I could easily play handheld. You know, I don't need that on my TV to go turn on for a few minutes, go shake my fucking trees or whatever you do in that game. You know, like, I, I don't need that on my TV to do that. I tell I, you, you don't need it in your life at all, if you want to be totally honest. So if I want to play, you know, Final Fantasy IV, you know, an old game on my Steam Deck handheld, that's that's fine. But if I'm playing Call of Duty, the newest Call of Duty, I'm going to play that on my big TV, you know, on a high-end console. Funny you mentioned uh, Final Fantasy because they recently on Steam released all the Final Fantasy games, like one through eight, like all the older ones, uh, in one easy-to-purchase package. Uh, we are not brought to you by Steam, but I do like Steam. Uh, and I think it was like 80 bucks for all of them. It was a bunch of games. Uh, I personally know someone who paid like two hundred dollars for Final Fantasy two on Super Nintendo, like after the fact. It's one of those games, man. It's it's a classic, you know. And uh, yeah, well, that's yeah. the problem with PlayStation because of their lack of backwards compatibility on their newer consoles. Mm -hmm. you, you know, if you want to play one of those old games, you have to wait for a remaster or re-release. Whereas with Steam, that stuff's just gonna be there. That's you know, and so that's that's. That's an advantage that Steam has. Microsoft, luckily, has done so much on the backwards compatibility side and putting so much backwards compatibility 
games on Game Pass, too, to make them even more accessible. Um, it's incredible, whereas PlayStation just doesn't... Sony, I should say, doesn't have the same... Um, you know, like customer service and, uh, you know, on that end, really appealing to the, to the modern gamer. So I, yeah, it's going to be not, interesting to see where it all goes. I do not disagree. Uh, so yeah, that is definitely a huge thing that the steam deck will have going in its favor. Cause I mean, even Nintendo's guilty of the backwards compatibility, uh, issue. We do have to wait for re-releases, even though they have reintroduced virtual console for super Nintendo NES, the games they only release like two a month you know it's not it's just not and they're not the ones you want like i want where's my uh mario rpg in the seven stars you know where where is my uh you know wind waker where all that stuff Mm -hmm. to their credit they do have a lot of zelda games but anytime a new console or something enters the market you know it's been nintendo microsoft and sony for a while and anytime anything new has tried to enter you kind of scoff at it um like do you remember i can't remember what it was called there used to be a little streaming box thing cube can't remember what it's called it's not worth bringing up the slingshot Um, no you're talking about the steam machine no but even now um like when stadia was announced Mm. google stadia i saw that and was like good luck Good luck. (laughs) There's no way. And, I mean, it's still a thing. I think there's probably a dozen people using Stadia. I don't know, but you don't hear anything about Stadia other than it exists. And so, um, you know... I, I don't I don't have any friends playing it. I'll put it that way. So, I, you know... And if we know a lot anything, of gamers. We do. Yeah. We do. But, but with Steam, you know... They have the reputation that if they're going to enter with a, with a handheld, I think that it is definitely going to get some people's attention. So it'll be interesting to see. I'll put it this way: if they if they announce the Steam Deck coming out with Half Life Three, all right, I'm buying it day one. I'll do it. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. Uh, good luck getting one. They it's five dollars down right now to reserve your copy. But right now, if you reserve one, I believe you won't be. Uh, they're they're already moving it to 2022. Uh, wow. for the new pre-orders. Right now, though, the ones that are supposed to be coming out on Christmas, it sounds like they're also going to be coming out in 2022. So, so they're supposed to come out. It's supposed to come out this year. That's what they're saying. It's supposed. It, they they toted it as a December release. Uh, but I don't think it's going to. If you are getting that for your kid for Christmas, uh, get them something to put underneath the tree because that might not be there. Uh, Santa might not deliver that one on time, guys. But I mean, in a in a current pandemic and post-pandemic world, you just kind of have to accept delays at this point, you know? People still can't get a PS5, so... Yeah. <laughs> or I, Series X. I even. still can't get my Series X, no PS5. I, I gave up on a Series X, man. It's just never going to happen. My brother-in-law has both. Uh, I'm just going to get the next Xbox, whatever it is, in like eight years. right well hey i got my pc for all the streaming that we do and it's been you know i'm back on steam and i grew up on steam and i do love steam it's just it's a it's a tough sell for me personally i have a pc Uh, if you don't and you need an affordable gaming option like this might actually be really good uh for jenny uh my girlfriend she really wants to get back into gaming she doesn't have a pc uh so like once upon a time i got her switch it helped a lot 
this could help her get into the because she's a PC gamer, and this could help her get back in that game at a at a cheaper price than a full PC. And it also seems that it might be upgradable, um, especially with the laws of ownership, uh, meaning that you can alter your devices in the future, kind of coming under question because you know you can't like open your Xbox and do stuff to it or your breach of like legalities. Uh, but those things might change soon, and I like Steam, so maybe. It's a maybe for me. We will see. Um, that was a good discussion of the Steam. I, I did a, before we get off of this, I did a quick review of the Stadia real quick. I couldn't figure out how many monthly players they have, <laughs> right? But I did, I did find an article from Business Insider, which I think we can all agree is a decent, trustworthy source, uh, from February of this year. And you will all be surprised to know that Google Stadia shut down its in-house development uh, game division. So they're no longer going to make any original Stadia games. So as we all know, when you don't have original content, you are just spiraling towards a fiery death and destruction. Unless well, unless you're very well Steam, because I don't think Steam had. Do they make their own games? Well, see, there's here's the thing though: is Steam is going to have Steam exclusives because it's going to be a PC, so it's it's already it, it does technically have exclusives. <laughs> technically, because yeah, because you can't play them on your Xbox, your PlayStation, or your Switch. Uh, it's funny that you talk about in-house uh, game development because another company has recently uh, hired somebody that used to work for, I believe, Facebook and some other game company. Uh, and they are coming into Netflix to kind of, add, I don't have any, there's, there's like no information about this really, other than Netflix is planning on doing some tests. They're going to slow roll out a few games to see how it goes. I don't think that they're committing to it. I have an idea. I have an idea here. Yeah. Let's just not waste anybody's fucking time and hire the Stadia people onto Netflix and let them let Netflix know this is a waste of their fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an abysmal failure. Well, see, because it's because like they have a lot of stuff going for them, though. They have built in people already have Netflix. Everyone already has That's, Netflix. You're yeah. going to see the game pop up and you're going to have the option to play it at no additional cost. So it's that's already actually in your huge. house. It's already huge there. Uh, it's just another excuse for them to keep raising their prices, which it seems like every six months I get an email that my <laughs> Netflix subscription cost is going up, but I can't cancel it because I do use it. So I'm just no. like, well, it's just bill it back to uh, bill it back to fresh out the podcast. There we go. There we go. We'll pick up the tab for you. Mr. Business Mo expense. <laughs> yeah, it is a business expense te technically uh, mm -hmm. now because then we can all use the same accounts and call it business expense. Oh, that'd be well, cool. The, the Netflix gaming was kind of a cue into this. Do y'all want to move into our certified fresh out the podcast takes? Yeah, that's today? fine. I think worth noting, um, Suicide Squad, the new James Gunn Suicide Squad movie just came out, but we're going to save that discussion for episode six. You know, it just came out. We're going to talk spoilers about it for sure. Um, so we're going to save that for a little bit later. Um, excuse me, for our next episode. Anyway, just wanted to make make note of that uh, as of the, our recording time that just came out. So, uh, but talking about some other things we got going on, do y'all care if I start uh, with Woodstock 99? I would love for you to jump into that. So, um, I you told me to watch this, and I did, and I loved it. 
Yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, HBO um, and The Ringer, uh, which is a popular sports and pop culture news site, uh, The Ringer has their own uh, film studios now, and they are making this documentary series with HBO called Music Box. I think it's going to be six different music documentaries, but the first one is out now. Um, it's called Woodstock 99. Actually, I think the... F- the full title is Woodstock 99 Love, Peace, and Rage. Peace, Love, I think and Rage, that's, yes. Peace, Love, and Rage. That's that's the full title. Um, I, uh, I wanted to watch this, and boy, I did not know. So I was not familiar with everything that happened in Woodstock 99. I think I had heard some of the things just re- regarding Limp Biscuit in general and how... <laughs> They, they kind of incited some some bad behavior maybe at the event, but I didn't know everything else that had gone on. And man, this is the scariest horror movie that I've seen this year. <laughs> <laughs> documentary. It is a documentary. Um, this music festival just is my worst nightmare. Everything about it, um, from the crowds to the heat to the behavior of everybody that's there when they're pissed off and hot all weekend and uh, yeah that too i was just watching this this whole thing with my jaw dropped i ended up watching it a second time because i made my wife watch it just out of like (laughs) you're not gonna believe this you have to watch it so i've seen it twice um and i definitely had to tell you know my friends including gary y'all have to watch this thing just because you have to see it to believe that it even happened um so i i would recommend this to people gary what are what were your takeaways so I've been like, uh, I've been thinking about this documentary, man. It's like it hasn't left my head for like two weeks. Like it keeps coming back into my mind. And it's it just shows you that there's something wrong with our culture. It's not just a documentary about a concert that went bad. It's a documentary about people, about human beings, about Americans, about what educated middle-class white (laughs) Americans do when they start drinking alcohol and they start listening to, uh, you know, I would say start listening to fucking hateful music, but it isn't the, it's not the music's fault, right? The fucking venue told them to calm down. It's just this mob mentality of these pissed off, enraged, entitled people who are just rioting, just a fucking riot. (laughs) Uh, and it's it's just absolutely phenomenal. It's great, and it's there's a lot to be learned from this documentary. And it's not if if what you're thinking is how to make concerts more safe, then you missed a whole lot of what the documentary is going for. It's it's a fascinating culture study. It, it dives into. Uh, I think it's it's just interesting to see where music was at that time too. And they they spend some time in the documentary talk, talking about that and how. You know, Nirvana had kind of opened the door for this this grunge movement that took over. That was not uh, there was there was no um, just real culture behind there. No, no, what's the word I'm looking for? I it, there was just no elevated thinking with it. It just was what it was, and it was this true flash in a pan that came when when bands like Kid Rock and Limp Biscuit were the most popular <laughs> bands out there, and now to see where where they're at now pretty much in a, in obscurity uh it's it's rather telling and it talks about how pop music at the time was taking over backstreet boys and nsync and and uh britney spears and the crowd that was at woodstock 99 was very anti that that pop music and 
yeah, they MTV were MTV being there and how they were harassed. They booed and, MTV and MTV ended up leaving like a day and a half early from the festival just because they were getting harassed nonstop. Uh, one of my favorite lines from the documentary was, you know, they were pissed off because we had taken their MTV and given it to their little sister. And so it's just this whole gener. And I, you know, I wasn't that age, right? I was younger in Woodstock 99. I was in fifth grade. But I loved that music. I li- grew up listening to Korn. Uh, I always thought Limp Biscuit was kind of fucking cheesy, even when I was a kid. But I, st- <laughs> I still listen to Limp Biscuit. They've got some tracks that go hard. I went uh, through a Limp Biscuit phase for yeah, sure. Yeah, we grew up listening. I listened, were, no, I listened so to. Not. I listened to so much Linkin Park. I, right? I still like Limp Biscuit. I don't care. Uh, Metallica at, at the end of that show. Metallica's the last band to go on stage. Of course, I listen to Metallica. DMX takes the stage. Like those are the bands I grew up listening to. So to see these people uh, responding the way they do to the same music that I listen to, uh, these people aren't so different from you and I. These people grew up listening to what we listen to in the fucking same neighborhoods we came from, but then they go out there and act like fucking monsters. And, there's uh, there's a scene involving. Uh the DMX performance that I found to be chilling. Uh, just, just awful. And, um, yeah, it's terrible. And then also just all the, the, the <laughs> sexual abuse of, of women and, oh, God, and yeah. so many of them were walking around topless and everything. And it was what it was at the time, but just the dudes that would walk by and grope them, girls trying to crowd surf, getting groped. And, uh, it, and you see it, you see it in this documentary. Yeah, so if that, yeah. If that, um, you know, just as a fair warning, if if that's something that you cannot watch, uh, yeah, that can be hard to watch. Watching this documentary because uh, there's some parts for... in it that are definitely made me look away. Uh, it was it was tough. Also, for anyone listening or watching that's confused, uh, a woman walking around topless is not an indictment to grab her. Uh, a woman, the only thing that a woman can ever do to uh, give you that permission is to give you permission. So. Uh, I just want to highlight that point in case you're a little, uh, in case you're a monster and you need to yeah. clarification. And, uh, I know that we don't usually have to tell our viewers things like that, but spread the news to the motherfuckers that you meet along the way. Yes. Uh, like... So that, so that is Woodstock 99, um, from music box there. I think there are other documentaries they're going to be doing. There's one that's going to be about, uh, Alanis Morissette's, uh, Jagged Little Pill album recording. There's going to be one about Kenny G. Uh, <laughs> there's a DMX doc, I think, that's that's uh, going to yeah look back at his life. So there'll be some interesting stuff coming out. So I'm sure whenever those come out in the future, we'll be talking about those more. Uh, it's funny. This Woodstock 99, as horrifying as it was, I did find it to be a very a well-made documentary um, that was very insightful. It's, so. fu- it's funny. I'm looking at the, uh, the list of artists uh, and Alanis Morissette was one of them too. Um, she was <laughs> County. There was, they, they, know, they note in the doc that there was one female artist each day. Like mm-hmm. they had to have their female quota. I think it was Alanis Morissette, Jewel, and who was the other one, Gary? I don't know, but those were the two I remembered as well. Oh, and uh, I think it was Cheryl, Cheryl Crow? Crow. Yeah, we both said Cheryl Crow. That must be right. Cheryl Crow and County Crows did not perform on the same day, and I feel that that's a missed opportunity. Oh boy, that, no, that's that's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, I'll jump off that because I don't want to stick on that for too long. Mm. I want to be able to have time for all of our other takes. Um, I'll talk about two other things I watched really quick. 
the first thing <laughs> I went to saw uh, G.I. Joe Origins Snake Eyes. Mm. Uh, it's not good. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> oh I think, fucking really. But there is something that I want to note about this movie uh, for, <laughs> for Gary in particular. There. Um, so as as many of you listening may or may not know, I'm uh, I've been a pretty big wrestling fan for over you know close to 15 years now when i really jumped back into it and was was a fan but uh there is a professional wrestler that shows up at the beginning of this movie in a in a cage fight you know as when it introduces snake eyes he's he's in a brawl um but it's it's not the same it's not the same professional wrestler from the second G.I. Joe movie, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, is it? No, 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 it is not. This is a different one. This is just a small part. He's in a in a fight with Snake Eyes and 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 gets destroyed. Uh but Gary, you know, he's no longer with WWE, but you may know him because he didn't get hyped. He stayed hyped. Mm. That's right. Mojo no Raleigh is in this movie. That <laughs> is barely Snake Eyes at the beginning. Saying that he is a wrestler is so misleading <laughs> because he was barely a wrestler. He like never got out of NXT. He was just Gronk's friend. He was uh, he, half the reason he was even had any success in the WWEs because he was close friends with Rob Gronkowski. Yes, and then they held him right. They held him there as NXT as long as they could until COVID hit, and then they got Gronk finally to be like a special guest commentator because Gronk wasn't going to go wrestle. And then they let everybody go. They let Mojo go. Gronk went his own way, and it just didn't pan out. They just wanted Gronk. That was Gronk it. Had signed, he signed with WWE briefly, and then after he had retired from the NFL, then he decided he wanted to go back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and <laughs> win another Super Bowl with Tom Brady, which, you know, in hindsight, that was a pretty good decision for him. So I'm sure he looked at the WWE paycheck and the WWE schedule and then looked at the Tampa Bay paycheck and the Tampa Bay schedule, and that was an easy, easy decision. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, are you talking about you're talking about Mojo Raleigh? Oh yeah. I looked up some pictures of him. And his shirts. Was his shirt say "Bro me"? What does that, he, he, what does uh, that mean? His <laughs> whole gimmick was that he was just always super amped and high energy, but it but it came off as annoying when you were watching it. And so there was another wrestler that fans, for the most part, liked named Zack Ryder, and they paired. Mojo Raleigh and Zack Ryder together as the hype bros for a while as just well, ultimate Zach, bros. Zack Ryder's the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, oh, yeah, that's yeah. Mojo's thing. He would legit come out and say I don't get hyped, I stay hyped. And <laughs> that's about all I got from, from Mojo. Speaking of wrestlers uh, and, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson coming off of G.I. Joe, I did see Jungle Cruise and uh, it was fun. It's fun. It's starring Emily Blunt, James The Rock John, Dwayne. I said James. Oh my gosh, that's embarrassing as a wrestling fan. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That just goes to show when you're talking on these things and you're just babbling and things come out. Uh, also, side note, as we've been podcasting, it amazes me how things that we recorded just an episode or two ago, you, I record and then it's gone. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about it, it's gone. I don't remember what we talked about. People bring up things that we said, and I have to have a moment of, oh, I said that? Like, oh, yeah. But yeah, it, it makes me like, you know, you know, whenever actors, like, fans want to know about the movie or the character or the props and stuff, like, you know, 
they want to know more about how a lightsaber is built. And they ask Mark Hamill in the 70s, and he's like, I don't know. Of course he doesn't know. He's an actor. Now, after doing this, I get it. Like, remember you guys said that thing? Like, no, I don't remember when I said the thing. Nope. Um, So anyway, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jungle Cruise. My boy James. (laughs) You're not going to come away with any, you know, newfound morals or from this movie, but... It, the the comparison that I think a lot of people have been making, and I, and I share this, is very similar to um, The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser from 1999, kind of crossed with some of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. That's the feel that you get from this. It's just kind of a adventure, fun time at the theaters, eat some popcorn, let this movie happen in front of your eyes, and then leave. And uh, I think for that, if you're just looking for a fun time at the theater, sure, go see it. Or if you're looking at a fun time at home with Disney Plus Premier Access or whatever, it's on. Pay your extra thirty dollars and watch. Oh it's, it's no, whatever. no, that's not worth thirty dollars, is it? Well, you can wait till November and it'll be on there for no additional cost. So just All do right. that. I'll but if you it. do, if you are itching to go to the theater and you're saying, "What should I go see on the big screen?" Jungle Cruise is, is you know, worth a movie ticket. I would say. Well, it looks like a a good cinema experience. It's got the big action. Uh, And it's got uh, Dwayne. It's got old boy Dwayne. I would like to go on record and say that James The Rock Johnson sounds like a better name. I like that. I'm a Mark I I seriously don't know what happened, guys. This is embarrassing. (laughs) Any movie with James Johnson, I'm in. I like James Johnson. I like James Johnson when he was a wrestler. I like James Johnson when he started walking tall, and I like James Johnson now. Oh boy, uh, JJ, that's what they call. Uh, he's got that NBC show. What's it called? Young James. Young James. Ooh, did you watch Young James? I watched a few episodes. I actually want to go back and watch the first season because I enjoyed what I saw. It's actually. I don't think it's called Young James. I think it's called Young Rock. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, oh boy. All right. I'll kick it to (laughs) y'all. Take this from me because I need to give my brain a break for a minute. Absolutely. No. uh, So I actually want to talk about a movie I saw called Blood Red Sky. You guys see Blood Red Sky on Netflix? I've seen it on Netflix. I haven't watched it. Like, I've seen it as I scroll through the menu looking for way too long trying to figure out what to watch when i saw that you had blood red sky on your list i thought that it was a a sequel of crimson skies the xbox flying shooting (laughs) dog pilot uh no it is a uh vampire movie that takes place aboard a hijacked airplane uh it's a netflix original it actually as far as uh, you know, vampire movies go, you know, if you can suspend that disbelief, odds are you might like this movie. It's a pretty good vampire movie, uh, pretty good uh, hijacking movie, and it's got the vampire. She's she's a really good actress. Uh, she does a good job, I think. Uh, they do it. They, their mythology has this believability to it. Uh, they do some flashbacks that explain some of the backstory. Um. And it just kind of winds up being... It's not what you expect. Uh, the vampire's not the bad guy. The vampire is just trying to live her life. Um, that as it is. And it's pre- It's just cool. It's very... It's different. It's a different take. Uh, and 
mostly because it's on a plane as well, I guess. It does kind of have those Flight of the Living Dead vibes. I uh, immediately was like thinking, if you think snakes on a plane is dangerous, just wait until you see vampires on a plane. Right? <laughs> no, Flight of the Living Dead's a zombie movie on a plane, and that is actually a really good movie. I would, I would go to bat for that movie. But Blood Red Sky, I say watch it. I thought it was good. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. I like monster movies. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. I'll check it. it out. It's one of those intriguing ones, but I just haven't, you know, haven't set it. There's there's other stuff I wanted to watch, but I did see it on there and it looked intriguing. But I'll have to check it out at your recommendation. Yeah. Um, one of the bad guys is from DC Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, if you've seen that show, he's the pyro maniac guy i forget his name in the show but yeah he's the in guy it from prison break maybe no 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 the guy from prison break is captain cold on dc's legend tomorrow no i think they're both in it are the they fire... both in it yeah i think they're the fire and ice or fire okay and... yeah it's the fire guy the the bigger dude yeah he's in it and yeah. he, was, he was pretty good in it too i liked i liked the movie i did enjoy it. i do say watch it uh, Netflix did one right on the original front, it looks like, to me. Yeah, I forgot that Wentworth Miller is in that, too, as Captain Cold. Oh, man. I did <laughs> used to watch the Flash TV show for a while, so I saw kind of the birth of the, the uh, what's it called, Legends of Tomorrow? Is that what it's called? Yeah, what Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, I've watched a lot of the DC TV universe as well. I've seen a lot of Arrow... I've seen a lot of Flash. I've seen a lot of Legends of Tomorrow. I liked a lot of it, but it gets kind of sucky. <laughs> they, they seem like they run out of ideas real quick. Uh, but I actually liked uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow because it has Rory from Doctor Who as like one of the main characters um, playing opposite of... Uh, what's her name? Jillian. Nebula from Marvel. He plays opposite of her in Doctor Who. Heat Wave. That's the name of Dominic Purcell in Legends of Tomorrow. Is that Heat the guy? Wave. Yeah, but they call him like Mac or something. But yeah, he's he's Heat Wave. <laughs> Sorry, that was a <laughs> I was set on that rabbit hole. <laughs> no, it's all good. I I'm fine with that that one. That one I do enjoy the TV shows, and I like how like they try to like make the parallels between the Avengers and. Legends of Tomorrow, they kind of because like they have uh, the Atom, but instead of being like he is in the comics, he has a suit that's made out of like dwarf star metal. So he's like Iron Man. He's also a genius, uh, rich guy. I don't know. It's just funny to me. I I enjoyed it though. Yeah, no, Blood Red Sky was cool. Um, and also a lot of there's so there's been a lot of trailers coming out for stuff. Uh, Tis the mm-hmm. season, I suppose. Uh, did you guys see the Shang-Chi trailer? I have. I saw the first one. I don't know if I saw the new one. I saw a pretty recent one. Uh, it does look cool. It looks exciting. It looks interesting. Um, so I, I like kung fu movies. Yeah. I grew up watching a ton of Jet Li and a lot of Jackie Chan, uh, like Rumble in the Bronx and... Yeah, and watching uh, uh, not Crouching Tiger, uh, Drunken Master. I had Drunken Master one and two. Drunken Master is amazing. 
Love the tea house fight scene in Drunken Master. So I grew up on kung fu movies, basically. I could go on all day. I, so I'm into this. I like this from, from the get-go. Um, I've been watching, like, the most recent thing I watched before this was uh, Into the Badlands, was like a modern kung fu post-apocalyptic world. That show was awesome. Got shit canned. I'm ready for more kung fu. Bring it on. Is the newest Shang-Chi trailer the one that uh, revealed Abomination being in it? I at believe the end? so. Yeah. yeah. Abomination's in was... like a cage match getting punched in the face. Yeah, I thought that was a cool throwback to uh, the Incredible Hulk movie. Which mm-hmm. I think yeah. for the most part, people kind of disregard now the Edward Norton one, but Abomination um, was yeah. cool. That movie so... is canon, yeah. Tony yeah, Stark so I... Tony Stark was even in it. That's right, that's right. But it otherwise... Well, no, and that's the one that introduced General Ross. And General so I guess Ross. It, it does have more... Um, of a lasting legacy in the MCU than I give it credit for. A lot more than most people give it credit for. Yeah. But um, I I hope, I don't know if we're going to see Tim Roth pop up or if it'll just be the CG abomination, but I still thought that was cool. Uh, And that, that, that'll bring us to another topic. So yeah, the Shang-Chi show, it looks great. It looks awesome. It looks dope. Um, I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. They've been teasing the uh, 10 rings since Iron Man uh, in the background subtly. uh, And then Iron Man, three with the mandarin uh it's all been 10 rings like hints now we're gonna find out more about it's cool spider-man there is no spider-man trailer spider-man trailer has not been released as of this recording um and it's right around the corner it's only a few months away and a lot of people are asking like why and coming out in december right yeah it's coming out in december around christmas it's gonna be a christmas movie Y'all know why there's not a trailer, right? Because uh, I'm pretty sure it's because something in the trailer is going to spoil a movie that comes out between now and then. So, so my my guess is, and it's purely a guess, but it's, it looks like they're casting for a Spider-Verse movie. Uh, live action, right? They've got all sorts of different Spider-Mans cast in place to come in. And then you've got Doctor Strange doing some multiverse and madness shit. So I think they're they're putting in place a Spider-Verse thing. And if you show a trailer, well, then... You blow the lid off of it, and everybody knows you're doing a Spider Verse thing. They've confirmed. Them. They've confirmed Doctor Strange is in it. They've confirmed some of the other casting that um, Alfred Toby Molina's Mc... is to- coming back in some capacity as as Doc Ock, and Jamie mm-hmm. Fox is coming back as Electro, which mm-hmm. you know they were in different Spider Man movies. Um, yep, Tobey Maguire and... and Andrew Garfield both confirmed. I, see, I don't think they are confirmed. Are they I think that confirmed? they've been. I think they've been heavily rumored. I think Andrew Garfield was asked about it in some press recently, and he kind of, you know, avoided answering the question, <laughs> like really giving a yes or no. He he gave a no answer basically, but he didn't say no. So I I'm very intrigued by it. There's also rumblings, rumors that, and I guess potential spoilers if if rumors to you are spoilers. But I've heard rumors that the main bad guy of this next Spider-Man movie will be Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. And I don't know if that's true or not. Really? Well, I'm hearing, I'm hearing Sinister Six. Yeah, that they're really going to be doing some stuff to set up there. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I don't think this, the, this trailer not showing up yet has anything to do with any of that, honestly. I just think that it's because they still have Shang-Chi and Eternals to come out. They've still got... Black Widow in theaters now, and it's 
for the most part underperforming still due to the to the pandemic and its availability on streaming so my guess would be we might see a spider-man trailer debut around the time that shang chi comes out in theaters yeah i'm hoping because having a shang chi trailer and um an Eternals trailer and then a Spider-Man trailer on top is just mm. a lot of marketing for them to be doing it once. Not to mention, they did officially announce that the Hawkeye TV show will be coming out in November, right around Thanksgiving. So Marvel, like this year, literally this year in the MCU, we got WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, Black Widow. We're going to get Shang-Chi. We're going to get What If, uh, which which counts as MCU stuff. We're going to get Eternals. We're going to get Spider-Man. We're going to get Hawkeye. We're just getting so much MCU stuff this year that I, I really just think it's a marketing thing that they're not trying to overwhelm us too much. That being said, I think around September is when we'll see it for a December opening. Yeah. I really think that something in the trailer would potentially spoil something between now and then. That's my theory. Uh, I think that maybe... Like, the sky is purple, and they don't want you to know yet, or something. You know what I mean? Like, I think that something is going to spoil either the Eternals or maybe Hawkeye or something, if you saw. Or also, your theory that they don't want to reveal the Spider-Verse yet could also hold true. Not to mention, just talking about MCU, and then I think Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness comes out in, like, the March following. So Spider-Man will be in December. I want Doctor Strange to come out as soon as Loki was over. I'm so hyped. Mm -hmm. That's when I wanted it. I wanted it like the next Friday. Did you guys see the sync up of the last episode of Loki and WandaVision? No. So if you sync up both episodes and you watch them at the exact same time, that moment when uh, Kane is sitting in the chair and he's like kind of like looking inwardly and like all that stuff's going on behind him and he's like, this is it, this is the moment. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen next. It syncs up exactly with the moment that Scarlet Witch like becomes Scarlet Witch and like activates her powers and like kind of potentially <laughs> destroys reality. So it's kind of cool. Uh, saw I saw a TikTok about this. That yeah. is where I where I saw that. I see That's a lot cool. of stuff on TikTok. I'm addicted. Uh, but yeah, no, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I am so hyped for Doctor Strange. I'm so excited. I'm, I've been a big fan of Benedict uh, Cumberbatch ever since Sherlock. I was that the first thing I saw him in. I've always loved him, and I think he's great as Doctor Strange. Belly Stitch Waterhatch? Benedict Cumberbun? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, did you guys... uh, Also, one other trailer, it was very brief. It was a very short, like, little teaser. Uh, But Stranger Things 4, uh, Season 4, is confirmed, I believe, for 2022 release now. Uh, They've actually kind of for the first time really been like hey here it is look at it it's coming uh which going to your point we have a stranger things season four trailer that comes out in 2022 but then not a spider-man trailer that still comes out this year so <laughs> exactly uh yeah no definitely i can't wait for that as well i i like stranger things i've enjoyed it even the third season i liked a lot of people complained about it i was like no i liked it it was good what do you want it was cool 
I honestly didn't. I don't think I finished the second season. I watched the first season. I watched most of the second season. I have not seen the third season. But I've. It's one that I've wanted to go back. I just haven't done it. It's worth it. I like. I mean, season two was great. Uh, season three, um, I liked a lot. The kids are getting a little older. Uh, they have a little bit more freedom, and they uh, they do cool stuff. There's like. You know, they show relationships changing between the kids as, like, some of them grow apart, some of them grow closer together. Uh, and it still has that cool coming-of-age vibe. Um, and it's just a cool adventure, kids-on-bikes thing. And they still have... They, they stay true to those roots, and it's still fun. There are some kids-on-bikes tabletop role-playing games I would love to give a shot someday. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a lot of Knights on Bikes kind of stuff that I would also be interested in checking out. Um, a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. A lot more than you would think. A lot of them are zines. A lot of them are short little books. But some of them are fully fleshed out. So that could be cool, too. Um, Did you guys have any other trailers? Because I had some stuff about Kickstarter that I wanted to run down. Do it. Alrighty, so let me go to Kickstarter you. real quick. Uh, oh, while you're doing Kickstarter, you. cover one of mine. Uh, uh, which one? Avatar. Oh, Avatar, right, right. I was going to cover it in the next episode, but if you're doing some good Kickstarters, let's, let me drop you. Yeah, I wanted to do a Kickstarter roundup in the first part, because some of these are very time-sensitive, uh, especially the first one I'm going to talk about. Uh, Spire's End Hildegrad is a adventure solo or cooperative adventure for i believe one to two yeah one to two uh it's a card game it's narrative driven it's kind of like a choose your own adventure uh the artwork's amazing there's only four days left to go it's fully funded uh and it's the sequel to spire's end it's supposed to be really good i love the artwork that's what really uh drew my attention uh some of the other ones that are coming out actually let me check my notes here uh, the big like board game releases they're being they're very popular on board game geek right now people are very interested uh, the first one is Arida Aridia the the past we the path we dare tread uh, it looks like an adventure game uh, it looks like a smaller box so it's probably not too too expensive um, and that one you got some time that one's got 24 days to go. Uh, and it looks cool. It looks pretty. The box art works very cool. And it appears to come with miniatures. You know what? <laughs> the way perspective is, that might be a huge box. <laughs> oh, wow. No, that box is gigantic. Okay, never mind. Psych. It's a big game. Uh, but it looks cool. And it has all this adventure stuff. It looks like... It looks almost like a lighter Gloomhaven kind of thing. It has, like, a board. You go on adventures. You're doing that kind of thing. Uh, looks really cool. Also, Dragonbound, uh, an asymmetrical strategy game. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, asymmetric. It just means that. <laughs> that sounds cool. Everybody plays kind of different in an asymmetrical game. Yeah, right? I just typed in. I was trying to type in Dragon Bond. I typed in Dragon Bong. What'd you find? Nothing Anything came good? up. Surprisingly, actually. Uh, That's just. Why is this? Seems like up? there's a. Seems like there's a niche market there. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Uh, it's called Dragonbond Lords of Vala. Uh, it has some minis. That game was not too expensive. Uh, and it also has a... Um, 
uh, it has a low board uh, tag. It's asymmetrical. A lot of dragons. I think you play as dragons, and it looks really cool. Uh, also, Green Hell, which is a video game uh, that's pretty popular, uh, is now a board game. It's on Kickstarter now. 15 days left. Uh, check that one out. And uh, The Adventures of Tennessee James. Uh, it looks like a fun, kind of quirky uh, little game. I like the box artwork as well. Uh, and that one has... You got time on that one for 25 days. Tennessee James? Tennessee... The Adventures of Tennessee James. James the Rock Johnson? James, James the Rock Johnson, the Rock indeed. Johnson. I knew it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Uh, check out those Kickstarters. I just like to keep people informed on what Kickstarters are coming out. Because those are time-sensitive. And I always kick myself when I don't uh, catch them in time. Something really good passes you by. Uh, did we say Avatar? Uh, so yeah, Avatar is fully funded. Is it still available on Kickstarter? Yeah, hell yeah, man! It just went live on like Tuesday, and it was fully funded in like like five like, minutes, not fourteen, <laughs> sixteen minutes, something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, is Avatar, this Avatar like the Last Airbender, yes, or yes. Avatar like. The Navi in James Cameron's magical world of blue aliens. <laughs> so glad that you asked. There actually are role-playing games for both, obviously, because of course there are. Why wouldn't there be? Um, so this one is Avatar: The Last Airbender, and we took a look at the Quick Start Guide. Holy crap! A couple of Fridays, yeah, big truck. It had uh, no, no. I was talking about they've oh, raised three and a half million dollars for this Kickstarter. Yeah. Wow. Their goal, their goal was fifty thousand. They weren't sure if they were going to hit it. It just went up while we were watching too. Yeah, they have thirty thousand backers. The number is literally going up before our eyes rapidly. Uh, Twenty-five days left to go. They have some really cool rewards. Some uh, dice from Level Up Dice are available through one of their pledge levels. That are very nice metal dice. You can also get some polyurethane uh, themed dice. This is a two D six system. We went over uh, it recently like last week right gary yeah and so i would say the things that mattered from what we went over it if you're just a casual gamer and you're curious you can play any kind of bender you don't have to like pick a thing to do it uh you can be any kind of bender and if you're not a bender then you're a weapons guy and if you're not a weapons guy you're a tech guy and so everyone is balanced and equal it's a narrative type of adventure storytelling game and on your page is a black and white meter where you have to try to balance your, uh, well, two different stats against each other, depending on what type of character you are. You have to balance, like, your harmony and your rage or something like that. It, everyone has two different opposite ends of the spectrum. You have, yeah, and you have so, two opposite, like, opposing ideologies uh, at war within yourself at all times. It is uh, pretty powered by the apocalypse uh, kind of thing. Very narrative-driven. It's got some of that tagging stuff that is indicative of uh, Powered by the Apocalypse. And it looks really good. I did a Twitter poll to see what people are excited for coming out. I had, like, Dune. I had this. And I had uh, Pathfinder on Savage Worlds. And then, like, Other on the poll. Overwhelmingly, people are more excited about Avatar Legends. Uh, We got some on the Dune. I actually am very excited for the Dune one. Avatar Legends, obviously, to anyone watching, is going to be a big thing. 30,000 people are already guaranteed to buy this, so that's crazy. 
you're going to see it all over Twitter. You're going to see it all over Twitch. People are going to be streaming this and playing this, and it's going to be fun as hell. And we want to play it already. We, we do. We do want to play it. It's a great world for a tabletop RPG. Like, even it me, is. who doesn't, who do, I don't dip my toe into all these different games as y'all dive in, but that's one that I would be like, oh, I would play. You know, an avatar one shot or something. You know, mm-hmm. that sounds fun. There's some there's some cool stuff too, where like your character does. You don't always take damage in the normal tabletop way, right? You don't have to get hit by a spear to take damage. You can literally like you're having a conversation and your character runs out of things to say or you fail too many checks, and the game master tells you that you can take like internal pain, like you feel embarrassed in this scene. And so you take a point of damage. Yeah, you take, like, emotional damage. Uh, It's really interesting. Um, It's also a game that doesn't have, like, a a flat-out, like, hey, you died. Uh, So, and games like that tend to be very good for, uh, like, kids. You don't want them to be fighting for their lives all the time, necessarily, when you're playing RPGs with kids. Um, And also just the general theming makes it good for kids. But... If you want a more lethal game, they do have periods of time in the Avatar setting that have, uh, like, wars going on. Most of them, really. Um, We talked about the time when Aang was frozen, that time period, and there is no Avatar. We imagine that to be pretty messed up, uh, story-wise. The Fire Nation takes over almost the entire world, cleanses the world of Air Nomads, and almost wipes out the Water Nation. Yeah, that... that particular time frame has genocide, so that's a little rough. Uh, but you don't have to play then. You can play at any period in the system, and they have rules for each. So No one gets to play an avatar. No one gets to be the avatar. No, that'd be silly. Hey, do you see the deluxe dice pack for $100 for the supporter? No. I want it. Uh, is that the level up metal dice? Yeah. And they're oh, all about, black. Oh, you're talking about the bag. Yeah, the bag's cool. Uh, the bag? No, under the bag. Two under the bag. The deluxe dice pack. Let's not go too much into talking about our <laughs> dice bags on today's show. Okay, can we? Can we? Can Look, we keep man. it rolling? We'll, ta- we'll table the we'll table the dice talk for now. Uh, show but yeah, your, that was show exciting. Dice bag. Uh, uh, Gary also had some other things on his list. I did. I did. I did. I was so excited for the ascent. You guys remember me talking about the ascent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you brought it up in your in your big uh, kind of Game Pass promotion of, up, of upcoming things you're excited for. Yeah, I've been excited for it. I've been watching The Ascent for almost like two months now. I pre-installed it. I was watching, waiting. Um, I was a little disappointed with Cyberpunk 2077. I played it, beat it. I almost 100% that game. A little disappointed, not going to lie. Uh, we played Cyberpunk. I hear you said that. I thought you really liked it at the time. I did, but just overall, like, the driving was ass. Like, if you go back and drive a car in Grand Theft Auto 4, it drives better than the cars did in Cyberpunk. It's no secret that that game was rushed out. Um, All things considered with that game being rushed out, I liked it. It just left a lot to be desired. Um, And I didn't like the Witcher games, so this isn't coming as some fanboy from the studio. I couldn't give a shit about CD Projekt Red. Uh, I thought that Cyberpunk was fine. Um, And I wanted more. So we played Cyberpunk Red, the tabletop role-playing game, for a while. That was fun. And that still left me wanting more Cyberpunk. So I was excited for The Ascent. It's co-op. Twin-stick shooter, which I wasn't stoked for, but then it's also kind of a skill-based like Diablo. So the the twin-stick kind of comes second, I think. It's more of a Diablo-like, but you just have guns, so you're twin-sticking it. Um, 
it crashed on us the first night. It crashed on Jahan and I three times in a row. We did not get to play the game. We yeah. didn't get through the first seven or eight minutes of content. The entire game would crash all the way back out, networking errors, reconnecting, just problem after fucking problem. Um, no dice. I think that was specifically because you were trying to play online together. I think that same day I had played earlier by myself. That's and exactly I right. The first hour and didn't have any issues. So yeah. you told me, yeah, no problem, single player. And then uh, another friend of mine whose name is not Chad, but we call him Chad. Um, he was playing all day by himself and having a great time. I saw him online. I jumped online. We got into a party. We played together for like 35, 45 minutes. No problem. We had a third guy join us. We played another 25 minutes, no problem, and then crash, 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 over and over. We couldn't play four times in a row. And so uh, I would say this game should not have been released if you can't uh, get your fucking networking <laughs> operating. Hopefully they get it figured out. I think that game was made by, a, I think it's a really small studio, like 12 people or something made that game. It's yeah. something crazy. So my notes here say that the game is awesome, dot, 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 if it works, which I stand by. The game was really fun. I think if I could play it, I'd like it more. <laughs> yeah, That's so a I, problem. <laughs> I played through the whole first mission, and, and I enjoyed it for the most part. Like, I thought the combat was pretty, um, th that it felt good when I was playing it. Like, it was it was satisfying when you would shoot with the with the twin stick controls which mm -hmm. that's not a, a genre i usually like um i played until you kind of get to the main what, what i assume is kind of the main hub area where there's oh my god i forgot to talk shit about the map in the main hub oh, oh my man. god that main hub is such a clusterfuck i was kind of overwhelmed by it and that's when i was like okay i'm gonna save and, and quit out for now and maybe come back to it but it, it overwhelmed me when i got to it i, I thought it looked cool like in all the different characters and people but i was having trouble finding my way around and getting yeah. to the map markers so i don't know why you would make your town center a labyrinth <laughs> it looks really yeah. pretty but it's a labyrinth there's generally one way in and one way out and the waypoints that you have to go to um like if you have to waypoint to a fast travel station it won't show you the fast travel station it'll show you the waypoint 150 miles southwest and so if you don't run to the fast travel station, then you'll just run to a wall that doesn't let out, and then you have to eventually realize you're fast traveling anyways. So it's that's bad. That's bad design. That's bad HUD. That's, that's They didn't do a good job with their... And like Drew said, it looks cool. Setting is really cool. They've got elevators, and they've got scaffolds, and they've got all these different characters, and you can get into fights when you're walking around the city zone. Uh, cool stuff, man. But yeah, I like, it's I like the lore a lot, because uh, you are... Uh, employed, I believe, by the Ascent Corporation, and they kind of own your life. Into you're like an indentured servant, um, and you have to work for them just to get off world, just to get to this new planet, uh, so you can start a new life. You pretty much have to sign your life away, uh, and that's pretty cool. I like that dystopian feel, and I like that, uh, you know, that bad corporation <laughs> feel that you get from it. The uh, the next Game Pass game, which uh, I would say The Ascent, same thing. It's it's good when it works. I want to play it. I'd love to play it more. The next yeah. Game Pass game I have on my list is Curse of the Dead Gods. And this one literally just came out, like, I don't know, like two or three days ago. Recently, yeah. yeah. Is this the one that's an expansion of, of de uh, Dead Cells? No. Dead Cells? Oh, no, okay. No, Curse of the Dead Gods, uh, I haven't played Hades. 
but I think that this might be a Hades clone. Um, and they, they, you know, they kind of pushed it out before Hades has their Xbox release, which is coming in like the next 20 days or something, right? It's going to be on Game Pass. So this is kind of your chance to play something like Hades in the meantime. It is a roguelike. It is skill-based. So you're going to pick your different paths for treasure or monsters in between each map. You're going to pick a little different zone. Uh, you have one health bar that stays injured as you go from level to level until you beat a boss or regain health, like most roguelikes. Uh, and this one has, you start with a sword and a ranged weapon. And you X and Y to fight, and you, I think, B to use your skills. So it's a lot of fun, easily accessible. You'll die a whole lot. The more you die, the more stuff you unlock, the better your next runs will be. And if you like roguelikes, this will be right up your alley. I didn't think I was going to like it. I like roguelikes, but I like roguelike deck builders a lot more than I like roguelike skilled fighting Diablo <laughs> games. It's not a deck builder, right? It's just a Diablo-like. Yeah, this is actually a game... I confusion earlier. Sorry, there was a... Um, there was a uh, like a DLC or a patch that came out for Curse of the Dead Gods called Curse of the Dead Cells, which added weapons from the Dead Cells video game. That's why I got confused. Very cool. Ooh. Anyway, no, I do actually context there. I'm not crazy. I remember seeing uh, something about Dead Cells with the game. I was confused too. Um, no, this is actually a game that I thought looked really good and that I was actually going to buy uh, at some point. I was thinking about buying it, and now it's on Game Pass, and I don't have to. Uh, as is how it generally works. Yeah. I I am still hopeful, and I have no reason to believe this. There's no evidence. It's not even a rumor at all, so don't take my word for this. I'm still hopeful that Orcs Must Die 3 will come to Game Pass in the very near future. Uh, it's only a $30 game, and it's a small indie studio, and I think Microsoft is going to be able to make a deal with those folks. Would y'all play it again yes. on Game yes. Pass after yes, having played yes. it on... PC as fast as y'all did, <laughs> and, and I might one hundred percent it. We might get all the achievements. Yeah, there's a good chance. Yeah, since since last time we talked about it, we have spot five scold everything on normal and hard. Uh, so we, yeah, we we gave it some love. That game is still great. We've also there's... placed top two hundred a couple times in the world on endless levels. So we're not the best in the world, but we're top two hundred. We're pretty fucking good at that game. <laughs> There's an ongoing joke on on the Xbox uh, subreddit that basically whenever there's new games announced for Game Pass, there's always a guy that was like, oh, good. I just bought that game two days ago. (laughs) And so it's, you know, like that person basically jinxed it for themselves and then it got released for free. So there's always a guy that says that. And then everybody's like, thank you for your sacrifice. That's just (laughs) an ongoing joke. So that's seriously, that's why I'm like, I'm never going to say, and I don't mean, I'm now saying don't buy Orcs Must Die 3. It's a great game and I love it. But I think that it will be on Game Pass soon. So if you're an Xbox person or a Game Pass person, maybe just hold your breath and cross your fingers. Don't pull the trigger quite yet. It is only a $30 game, and it's awesome. I would like to go on record and say I do not think it's going to be on Game Pass, and you should go buy it immediately. Um, (laughs) Deep Warriors, I'm going to be the sacrifice here. I'm going to be the one that goes and buys it, and then it's going to get announced for Game Pass. (laughs) Deep Rock ended up on Game Pass, and I didn't think Deep Rock would wind up there. And now that it has, I think that Orcs Must Die will also. That's, and it's just a thought, right? Again, there's nothing yeah, that makes nothing, nothing behind it. I'm not an insider. I don't have any inside information. Um, 
I'm watching TV, right, Drew? I know you've been watching TV. You told me you watched a little bit of Holy Moly. I did. I I had that on my list for this app. I just was going to comment on some of the shows that y'all had recommended in in past episodes. Um, One was Holy Moly. I did watch an episode. And even though you had described it in detail, I think it was just not what I expected. First off, I was surprised at how high of production value the show has. Like, I mean, the... Mm -hmm. I watched the first episode of the most recent season, I guess, or the current season. So it yes. had this ESPN setup with Steph Curry and, and all these NBA players and setting up the, the whole show and then seeing all these elaborate sets. I, I have to say I was I was impressed. And the show does a, a perfect job of the amount of seriousness that it takes itself is is just right. Where it like it knows the whole thing is is silly, but then it also they take it. They have the the athletes, the the mini golfers, really take themselves seriously. And to <laughs> me, Joe Tessitore, or having him there, brings some level of prof, uh, professionality to it, professionalism. That is just like when you watch uh, most extreme elimination challenge or any of that old old silly crap like that. It's always a wipeout. You know, total wipeout was the same way. All the hosts are always over the top and they're like whoa they fell oh no what the whoa but when you have joe testator he's just you know calling it like it's a street sport game and that <laughs> that kind of call is so good as for me as someone who i'm not usually a fan of rob brickle's comedy the two of them together is actually a pretty good pairing and i actually thought the humor was pretty good from the commentary side <laughs> I, I love rob Riggle. he's hilarious so I was gonna say after um after you're done watching Holy Moly, have you had the chance to watch Lego Masters yet? I have. I actually have caught. I caught some of the first season when it was actually airing on TV. I, th- I don't know what it came on. It came on before or after something else that I was watching at the time. So I would catch. I think it's a Fox it. show. It is because... a Fox show. Uh, I, I think it was it on after Hulu. Masked Singer or something at the time that the first season was on and I did catch some of it and I thought it was cool. Cause it'd be different challenges of you basically need to create this using X, Y, and Z. Isn't that kind so, of the, yeah, that's exactly right. And they're still going into season two now. And I still don't love Will Arnett as a host for a Lego show, because to me, he is, I like Will Arnett when he is a hateable douchebag, because to me, he plays a hateable douchebag so well but you don't want your TV host on your show to be a hateable douchebag. Oh, and he's Lego. He's Lego Batman. So of he course is. They, that's right. There's like a. It's an in joke there. Uh, I get it. <laughs> so yeah. So he's. Uh, I, I don't love him as a host of that show. I like Will Arnett, but again, I I think he's super hateable in a good way. And that's not good when he's wearing a leather jacket and he's got his slick back hair and he's acting like an asshole to people who are building art with Legos because a lot of these people are introverted or they're more shy and you don't need Will Arnett walking around fucking fluffing himself out like a turkey being a dickhead to people for TV's sake. <laughs> uh, I just don't think he's a good fit for the people on the show. I do like the show. The show's still going. This season they have done... A like you have one Lego brick that's suspended from a wire, and then you have to build something around that one brick. So you build these giant immaculate sets that are hanging. Uh, so there's some really cool stuff they do there. One of his challenges, uh, they come into the studio and he has like a perfectly made Dodge Viper uh, Lego car, and everyone is standing at their stations like 30 to 45 feet away. 
and he just shatters the car. And he's like, oh, I hope you guys had a chance to look at it because your first challenge is to build that as close as you can uh, to my perfect model. <laughs> and so they have, you know, they, of course it's cut up because it's their first challenge, but it's basically like a little 12-minute segment of the show where these people are trying to build a Dodge Viper in their mind <laughs> from scratch. So a lot of fun challenges, good show. Um, I would say it's it's the same as Holy Moly. It's a good background show if you're eating or you're hanging out with somebody and you just want something on in the background. Really, you could fast forward to the end to see all the cool builds and be done with it, but it's good trash TV uh, to just have on. I yeah, I, I saw. I was all a big Lego one. kid, so I was also a big Lego kid. I saw all the season one. I liked it. Haven't seen season two yet. Uh, I do not hate uh, Will Arnett as the host. I have no issue with him. I like Will Arnett a lot. Uh, I think he's a fine host. I don't. He. I mean, he is kind of mean to them sometimes, but I think it's funny. I don't know. But he's like, you know, in, in my, and maybe I'm wrong here, but he's from Arrested Development as Joe, and he's a stupid fucking hateable idiot. And then he is also in, uh, he's in an episode of 30 Rock, a couple episodes of 30 Rock. He's uh, the ex-boyfriend for the, the main character. He's also and he's Bojack Horseman. a fucking hateable jackass fucking douchebag. That's he is just plays a hateable fucking yeah, jackass no. dude. That's absolutely his typecast, but I it's have no what issue you, with him. It's not uh, good for a TV host. I mean, he's not actually a douchebag. But I don't know. Uh, he he's rough. Like, he's a little rough, man. <laughs> maybe I like him. Uh, I I actually like the two Lego people who are on the show. Just the the guy and the girl that are actually from Lego. The actual master builders. Yeah, they're they're yeah. really nice. Uh, I think they would be able to host the show just fine, and you could cut Will Arnett's contract out of there. <laughs> um, and then I think the last thing on our list to talk about this episode was He-Man! Okay, I, here, okay I'm going to save... I, it wasn't going to be a rant, necessarily. Okay, we talked last time. I had never watched really much he-man i didn't have any kind of nostalgia for it y'all talked about the new masters of the universe revelation show that's uh kevin smith's the showrunner for it that's on on netflix and so i was like i want to i'm gonna try this i'm gonna you know dip my toe into the world of he-man and the masters of the universe I, i watched i've watched two of the five episodes um so not like a whole lot and uh i'll say this i had fun watching it but it's just one of those things that as I'm watching, I'm like, how did this become a thing? Like, how did He-Man become such a popular thing? And I, it has to be the timing of the 80s. Yes. But some of the characters and the things in it are, are just so fascinating. Is is Man-at-Arms a classic character from... Oh, hell yeah, bro. Yes, he's a classic character. Has he always had the very phallic-looking helmet? Oh, hell yeah, homie. Oh, yeah. Always been his design? Yeah, mm-hmm. that show's all about dicks and abs, bro. Yes, sir. <laughs> get with it. And also, I couldn't get over the fact that this is such noob stuff for people that are long-time fans. So, like, how is this idiot not knowing this stuff? But even, like, Castle Grayskull, mm. that sounds like it should be the name of the evil side's lair. Like, Castle Grayskull, <laughs> to me, sounds like a like an antagonist, antagonistic lair. But that's the good guy place that he yeah. man's trying to protect they now do. snake mountain sure that's antagonistic 
as hell. Snake Mountain, sure. But <laughs> Castle Grayskull, even the design of it, giant skull. Oh, yeah, it looks, like, it looks like a bad guy building. It's almost like they drew the castle first and then decided to make a show. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. They do uh, eventually explain a bit more about Castle Grayskull, which I think they dive deeper into the lore. Uh, they go on a pretty cool journey uh, led by Tila, who is in the first episode, going to become the new Master of Arms. Um, and they do a pretty cool job. It has a lot of female leading going on in the show throughout. Um, Evil Lynn joins the team. I like Evil Lynn's journey a lot uh, in this show. Um, and yeah, dude, it's so 80s, man. It's so 80s, so I, ridiculous. I had seen some blowback to the show. I guess people, online chatter, complaining that the show that typically He-Man is at the center of, that there's a surprising lack of He-Man in the show, which, having seen the first two episodes, oh, I guess I kind of see my butt. why that's... Because I don't know if it's spoiler to say that he, I've watched the second episode, He-Man's not in it at all, except for you yeah. know, a flashback or something. Um, it really seems like Hila is kind of the lead. Yeah, uh, she is main. absolutely the lead. I... So, um, I feel like they really use it as a chance to explore the the other characters, and they do flesh some of them out very well uh, in this. I think it's great. Uh, I think they get the female characters out from under the thumb of being male support. Uh, this show does pass a lot of, I believe it's called the, the Bechtel Test, uh, which is like a feminist writing tool. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of conversations between female characters that are not about men, uh, they added a new original character. It was a, a black woman, which awesome. It was like the first like new character and boom, a black woman. Good for you. Uh, adding more inclusivity. Uh, they added some other cool black characters too later down the line. I don't want to spoil anything, but, uh, I do, I do like it. It does a lot of cool things. I have a lot of issues with some of the story later on. Just, I don't think it's written well, <laughs> uh, on some parts, but I mean, at the end of the day, it is kind of a kid's show, and deal with it. Yeah, yeah. As, as somebody that, you know, again, had never seen really any Masters of the Universe stuff, I had fun watching the first two. I'm probably going to watch the last three just to see where it goes. The animation actually is, is good. Y'all had said that it was good, and you're right. I, I really enjoy the animation. I just... I, as someone with no nostalgic ties, some of the character designs and see, it's just so <laughs> bizarre. I can't wait but for you to I, see Merman. Does does Stinkor come back at all, or is it just in the beginning of the second episode? Is that it? I don't remember him. I had a Stinkor toy when I was a kid. <laughs> which which one's he's, he? Oh, the uh, yeah, yeah, man, he's, he's like a skunk man that lived in the trash pile. Yeah, no, I don't think he's in the rest of the show. For, for, just for what it's worth, obviously Kevin Smith's the showrunner. I had seen beforehand that Jason Mewes, you know, Jay of Jay and Silent Bob, is the voice of Stinkor. He's at the very <laughs> beginning of the second episode. Maybe has one line <laughs> and just gets the crap kicked out of him. And so I was definitely curious to see if he ever comes back or if that was it. If Kevin Smith said, "Hey, come record this one line for the show," and <laughs> I'm sure he it. did. I'm sure he did. Uh, also, I I might be mistaken here, but people complaining about He-Man not being centric to the show. I don't think this show's actually called He-Man. It's called it's Masters not. of the Universe Revelation. That uh, was something I had I recognized as well. Yeah, Masters of the Universe Revelations. He-Man is not 
in the title. So yeah. he also like uh, spoilers, I guess, but it's a cartoon and it's like four or six weeks old at this point. So you can you can get on, get fuck on with it. Um, he's <laughs> captured, and like if you get captured in the story, then you have to get uncaptured. That's cool. It's a cool plot element. It's the reason he's not in it is because there's a cool plot device at work. And if you are have a sword up your fucking ass because He-Man isn't in Master of the Universe enough because of a cool plot element, then you probably are in the very small minority of dickhead fans. Uh, hey, and, and for a new fan, to me, I find T-List's character to be interesting. He-Man, to me, is thoroughly uninteresting. Mm-hmm. He's a giant, buff, naked, blonde guy with a sword. Like, okay, I get it. That's, that's- <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I'm right there with you. Yeah, no, oh, okay. and, like, and his non-He-Man persona is not that great either. Uh, but no, definitely, I definitely agree. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. It's worth a watch. It does some cool stuff with the story. Um, and it's just, it was a good uh, way to flesh out these other characters. All right, before we wrap up this episode, was there anything else y'all wanted to touch on? You know, I thought about talking about Birds of Prey because of the of, of the Suicide Squad movie, but we can probably talk about the bir- Birds of Prey before we talk about the Suicide Squad. Yeah, that'll be a good lead-in on the yes. next episode. So, it's, it's good homework, I guess, if you're going to watch the Suicide Squad. So everybody look forward to our next episodes on Spotify, Apple Music, and Podbean. Um, all of those are free options, and you can download Fresh Out the Podcast or listen to them there. Also, we do other things that aren't just fresh out the podcast. You can catch Jahan and I every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at twitch.tv backslash Jahananon. We do Wild West Wednesday and play Savage Worlds uh, Wildlands. Oh, wait. Savage Worlds Deadlands. Deadlands, yeah. <laughs> Savage Worlds Deadlands, which is a Wild West role-playing game. And I play an undead guy. It's kind of a spooky, weird Wild West. Very dope. Thursday nights, we're playing The Expanse by Green Ronin Roleplay, uh, Tabletop Publishing. It's the, the age system. So we go to space, we roll 3d6, and we're having a blast. Every Friday is Free Play Friday, where we focus on indie games and board games, small creators. We have tabletop simulators, so you might find us on there playing some products you haven't heard of. Uh, you might find us going through Kickstarter and reaching out trying to find games from people. If you're listening to us and you're a game designer, please find us. I'm CasualtyCDG on Twitch, and Jahan is at RockFact on uh, both of us on Twitter, I mean. Uh, yeah, if make you... sure to follow us on uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and just all of our stuff. If you want to find me on Twitter, at Drew Munhausen, um, I can put all of our uh, social tags in the show notes for this one. Uh, hey. Also, if you like uh, me talking about movies or want to know what I'm watching, you can find me on Letterboxd. That's what I use. I log every movie, anything that I watch on there. And uh, yeah, give us a follow and uh, I guess we will catch y'all on the next episode of Fresh Out the Podcast. Anything else for you guys? No, that means that next episode is either going to be in like 10 minutes if you're watching live or in a week if you are not watching live. So hold tight and or hold tight. Oh, and I want to add, if you got to the end of this episode, if you listened all the way to the end, then send us a tweet, hashtag James the Rock Johnson. (laughs) Hashtag James the Rock Johnson. If you listened to the end of this episode, tweet it all three of us. Thank you very much. Bye, everybody. Bye.